Welcome to Between the Gutters Podcast. This is Albert Lamb, and my co-host is... I'm Drew Tan. Yeah. This is where we talk about the story within the panels. So, welcome to all of you listeners. Uh, We've decided to put together a special episode today. Uh, We realized that uh, DC's fandom has just occurred and... We know that we like to talk at length about the comics that we love, and I, I don't think we spend too much time talking about a lot of things in comics culture, um, at least, you know, mainstream comics culture. So we decided to cover this just to, you know, give you guys our thoughts on what's, what's going on in the pulse of comics and uh, all of the news and all of the stuff that's coming out right now. Um, we want to go over it with uh, each other and with you, our listeners. And we just want to give our opinions and just some thoughts that we have. That sound about right, Drew? It sounds about right to me. Funny thing is, is that it feels like with all the episodes we've recorded, we almost never really record anything that's topical in terms of like what's hot and going on in the moment. Right. Like... It's it's like we live in this vacuum where we just talk about comics that already that have existed for you know whatever period of time, and we don't really talk about what's currently popular or what's got right. the attention of people on social media or anything like that. I think the closest thing we ever did to something like that was when we we did an episode where we talked about Stan Lee after he died. But well, I think even that episode we recorded probably like. A little while after he died, it wasn't. It wasn't immediate. Yeah. Or you know what it was? I think it was because I'm. I'm about to give the listeners a a little peek behind the curtain here. But I think we recorded that episode pretty shortly after he died. But we didn't post it until like maybe several weeks after he died, or right, like right. quite some time because we were, we we used to record a lot of our episodes. Uh, you know, we'd record a couple of episodes in one session and and then just yeah. kind of like space them out. Well, the other thing I was going to say was what we we have done a couple of podcasts on the movies. So Yeah, that's true. So that's true. There is that. I I think I think what we try to do most often is we we want to talk about comics as a medium and we want to promote the comics that we love and we want to you know, promote quality comics and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the times that is older stuff or stuff that has been kind of forgotten and comics as an industry is a is almost a living and breathing entity that's just constantly churning out more content for the better lack of the well no it's content uh, you know there's nothing no other way to describe it so you know it's I, I wouldn't say that it's hard to keep well, I guess it, it is kind of hard to keep up with it, especially on a casual level. But we're I, we're not casual comics fans at all, and I do think that even though we don't talk about it, we are pretty abreast of. Yeah, we're aware of it. We're, yeah, we're, exactly. We pay attention to the news. Yeah, we're on comics Twitter and all that. Yeah, we know what's going on, even if we don't necessarily comment on it or record episodes about it. Exactly, like. I don't want to end up being an old man in a small like lemonade stand type booths hawking my comics and talking about how only the comics that I loved when I was growing up <laughs> were great comics. All these guys now, 
They're not like the great masters. <laughs> They're just scribbles on paper, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I was going to mention was that we see the stats on our podcast and even though we prefer talking just straight up comics, it's obvious that the episodes where we do talk about movies have more have more listens than the other episodes we do. Um yeah, yeah. Like so here, I, here's an episode special for especially made for all of you guys who are into the pop culture detritus of comics, you know, all the <laughs> all the movies and TV shows and yeah. video games and all the pop culture stuff that makes you think you love comics even <laughs> though you don't really read them. <laughs> I say that with only a mild hint of bitterness, but plenty of affection for you because we just appreciate that you listen to us anyway. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean... I guess the yeah, I guess the thing is I I on some level I do want to use it as a Trojan horse as uh, meaning that I don't mind so much like I feel like my top priority should be to talk about comics and good comics at that, but me personally I don't mind talking about the movies if that means that I can use it as a gateway drug to the thing mm-hmm. that is comics to the to to the to to the opiate that is comics, you know. <laughs> exactly, I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that one, man. I'm with you. Yeah. So, do you have any other thoughts, or do you uh, before we start this, or do you want to start going no. down the list of uh, news that have that has come out of DC's? Fandome! <laughs> <laughs> so, as we record this, it's uh, Friday, August uh, 28th. So, Fandome was the previous weekend. It's It's been, I guess, like six days since the event. Uh, I assume that if you're listening to this, you probably know what it is. But if not, uh, basically, it was a... Uh, an online uh, comic book convention kind of event where DC made a bunch of announcements. I don't even know if you would call it DC. It was more like Warner Media under the you know under AT and T doing yeah. a thing where they're just sharing trailers and news and um, little sketches about their uh, upcoming films. And there were a bunch uh, of panels shows. and discussions where they go in depth on various subjects as well. Yeah. And, and I'll admit, I did not tune in to the event while it was happening. Apparently, 22 million people did, so I think it was a big success for them. Yeah. Um, but I, I did pay attention to the news that was coming out, and I looked at the... I watched the trailers and thing, the little videos and things that they put out, because um, I don't really have the patience to sit through exactly. you know, eight hours of, of all that. Exactly. I was just about to comment on that. Like, it's it's not that I don't love uh, comics, but I just one in, in an actual convention, I can kind of go, and if I want to, I can go to a panel and listen to what they have to say. Uh, you know, but it's my choice, right? And mm-hmm. I can leave at my leisure. Um, but with these streaming things, I just feel like. Yeah, I'm not just going to sit there and uh, 
consume on this, you know. Um, I just don't think I'm that kind of fan. <laughs> so yeah, uh, not, and, and on top of that, there was precious little comic book news out of that event. Yeah, that's true. the The stuff that we did get was, and and we'll go into it later, but it was pretty. for for a for an online event that was supposed that gave the impression that it was about comic books there really wasn't that much comic book news so so i was i would have been more suited to just waiting until everything was done and hearing about the highlights it would have been it it was a lot quicker and a lot less stressful there would have been a lot less stress on me personally. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. The other interesting thing about the event um, is that just uh, one or two weeks ago, DC, well, not just DC, but all across uh, AT&T, they, they laid off a bunch of people and, and DC had some massive cuts to their staff. I think they they lost, what, like a third or... It was a third even half of yeah. It was a third of their staff, yeah. editorial staff, and so forth, uh, got laid off. So DC is in a turbulent time right now. It was a huge uh, like for people who listen or or who are in the know on the comic side of things. Like that is big news to for to find out that a third of their publication editorial staff was just axed all of a sudden in like a Saturday night massacre style. Yeah. You know, like it's super sudden and uh, quite frankly, it doesn't look good for the company. Like it, it doesn't as, as an observer, it doesn't inspire me with a lot of confidence that they have, the best interest of the company at heart. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So with that as the background context. Happy fandom, everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous, right? Yeah. So ridiculous. Well, there were all, even... all these people lost their jobs and then, and then they got to um, watch this event. That's just, that's celebrating the company. <laughs> yeah. They have to, all the creative people had to show up and do panels and smile and like interact with people, or I don't know if they were actually interacting with. Well, like, f- well, from what I know, the the event was actually pre-recorded. Oh, okay, okay. Like all, so, all the different segments were uh, pre-recorded, and and they had a, a production team splice everything. Okay. So it, yeah. Okay. And, so and I don't even. I'm not even sure if there are really too many comics people involved in it. It yeah. might have just been, you know, actors or celebrities. I know Jim Lee was at one of the panels. So. Yeah, that that makes sense. He he was fortunate enough not to get fired. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess he's actually what is it? I forget his title now, but uh, he's still, I guess, publisher or or something at DC Comics. Uh, but if you've read the interview he did with the Hollywood Reporter shortly after the firings, it's it's. It's you could tell that he's in one of those positions where he knows things are bad, but he has to smile. And... He's a company man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just got to be like, "Oh, this is an exciting time. There are big changes." <laughs> <laughs> you know what's a huge change? 
not being able to eat three square meals a day. <laughs> what a change. <laughs> That's heavy, man. That's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways. All right. So uh, with that said, we can uh, dive into the news of fandom. So let's see. One of the first things that came out or I don't even know what order that they came out in, but we, we kind of jotted down a list of the biggest announcements. So we'll, we'll just go through them and, and cover them. So one thing that dropped was the trailer for the Batman movie. This was probably the biggest thing just because people love Batman. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as I know, um, there hadn't really been any footage or anything about it that had been released previously. What did you think of the trailer, man? (sighs) (laughs) Where do I start? I liked the music. (laughs) They used that Nirvana song. Uh, I don't even remember that. See, so you got me beat there. Uh... Something in the way. Well, okay, me and you talked about this briefly when it first came out, and I I guess in terms of first impressions, um, and, like, I I feel like we need to put a little bit of backstory down, but uh, I think one of the biggest complaints about the DC universe as a whole in the past, in, in recent history, was that a lot of the movies were kind were, were dark but almost ridiculously so uh, you know coming out of the Zack Snyder era so yeah. uh i mean that that franchise the the justice league and batman v superman and you know uh the superman that that entire uh man of steel yeah the man of steel that yeah. entire uh plan that they had for the dc universe it it kind of fell apart um Mm -hmm. you know with with the end of the justice league movie and it it didn't go like i don't know like people tend to have short memories so i don't know if you know you guys as listeners remember like or how well you remember all this but you know those movies compared to all the Avengers and the Marvel films that were coming out, they were like the best thing you could say was that, you know, they made some money, uh, <laughs> but like, like seriously, that, that was the best thing you could say. It wasn't much like for the most part at the time, a lot of people, they were critically panned and a lot of people did not have good things to say about a lot of those movies. Yeah. You know, so yeah, us included, exactly. But um, so it like it the the universe was cut short so quickly that Ben Affleck, who was the Batman in that series of movies, uh, and who had a few more movies that were planned to come out, ended up like I don't know if he officially bailed, but he ended up not reprising his role in Batman after uh the justice league i'm pretty sure that is the last of batfleck as we're ever gonna know or see him and actually uh 
he he might come back in the Flash movie. Really? Yeah, okay. that was another thing that was hinted at uh, from fandom. But uh, you know, we'll we'll get there. Yeah, let's uh, stay on stay on target. <laughs> stay on well, target. Well, but there was a lot of new. Okay, like I'm, I'll try to be as brief about this as possible. But there was a lot of stuff that happened. Um, like it even got to the point where Henry Cavill, who was uh, who wanted to reprise his role as Superman, there was a lot of uh, what's the word? There was a lot of chaos around that because they were saying, "Oh, he's out," then he's in, and now I think he's back out. But I'm not entirely sure if that's really the case anymore. I got no idea. Yeah, like it was just. Yeah, those again, those movies just did so poorly and were received so poorly because of you know Zack Snyder and that dark tone and the dark tone that he was applying to the rest of the universe, even the movies that he wasn't personally uh, directing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the presumption was that after that, the DC universe was going to move in a different direction. We get movies like Aquaman. Uh, we get Wonder Woman that Shazam Shazam and they're you know Suicide Squad uh no I think yeah uh so I think Suicide Squad still came out while they were I feel like it was still kind of under that old helm and that's mm-hmm. why the the new Suicide Squad is not a reboot but it's not necessarily the same movie either but right, anyways right. I don't want to digress um <clears throat> but so okay so, so I say all that to say this. So with all of the bad, uh, pre- uh, bad reception around all of the, the those movies that came out, and it was bad, it was consecutively bad. It's not like any of those movies really got better. They just kept getting worse, or at best they remained the same level of bad, <laughs> <laughs> depending on who you ask. So, um, so. When this Batman trailer came out, it was a bit of a surprise to the both of us in that they, it felt like they continued to go down the route of dark and gritty. Um, yeah, it just felt like it was a trailer where, I, it, it was a trailer that seemed overly stylized and it it was it it didn't feel like it was trying to to do that realistic batman and i'm doing air quotes right now so <laughs> you know so every the, the tone is very gritty again but um and and like the the one scene i remember is you have this criminal who's like looking at batman and he's just like who are you and then you know robert pattinson's batman just basically bludgeons the guy like almost psychotically from from what i remember you remember that drew yeah doesn't he get the dude on the ground and he just starts pounding his face over and over and then looks up at the camera and says i am vengeance something like that (laughs) something like that yeah so um like yeah do you do you remember anything else about the trailer like uh, just to give our listeners who um, who might or might not have seen it, just an idea of what what was happening in it. Um. Well, I I know there was a lot of Batman punching in in that trailer. Like I, I remember, said earlier, yeah, the, mu- the music was good. Yeah. 
it was definitely you know angsty which i i guess is the tone of the yeah. of the film and the other thing that really stands out well before i get to that well they all we also saw little uh snippets of i guess riddles from the riddler yeah i mean i i'm not sure if they actually showed what the riddler looks like but um whoever was doing the voiceover was asking riddles or questions so i, yeah. I think i just assumed that was the riddler yeah 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 that and was the I, one one new thing i learned and uh i will say that that's probably the one thing that in concept that i like just because i'm a fan of the riddler but uh yeah but you know i want it to be a good riddler story <laughs> yeah it, it, it kind of feels like they're trying to make him similar to i don't know i don't know if they're trying to make him a like a serial killer or anything but it sounds like they're trying to make him uh creepier than he normally is you know like scarier more intimidating yeah, yeah. It, so that whole thing where uh, he, Batman or the, I forget if it was Batman or the cops they get that they get that card from the Riddler and it's got some kind of a crypto cryptozoid or something or some you know some secret code some coded message gonna, it I was like going to say it had cryptocurrency on it <laughs> uh, Riddler, Riddler is going to be trying to sell Bitcoin to people. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's the real question. Why why is that stuff so valuable? <laughs> why so is virtual is, currency so valuable? This is a movie about economics. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Batman v Superman was a legal drama about about Batman trying to sue an illegal alien. <laughs> that might be a better movie. <laughs> uh, the, but yeah, it, it just made me think of something like the Zodiac Killer, you know? So I don't yeah. know if they were trying to go with the Zodiac Killer vibe for the Riddler, if they are. Right, Yeah, that's right. something different. Um, the other thing that I was going to mention that I remember was it feels like this... It feels like this is a world where this Batman has existed already because there were... It feels like there are signs that his robes exist in some form or another so um i remember seeing bits of things online um i didn't like investigate too too uh intently to be perfectly honest but like supposedly the penguin there was like images of the of the penguin in some form or another and then you have this gang of jokers uh, that wear like white clown makeup so mm -hmm. that's a thing that exists in their world um Yeah, uh, the the one thing that I I first remembered mentioning to you when uh, when we first looked at the trailer was it's still dark, but to me it doesn't feel like the same kind of dark that Zack Snyder is. Or what, yeah, and at the very is. least, at least we can say that not everything is seeped with that weird bronze brownish yellow bronze. filter. Yeah. Um, and as long as it doesn't have those constant slow mo cuts during the fights, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the zoom, yeah, slow, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing that I was mentioning to you was that it felt like whoever the director was was channeling like David Fincher, so hmm. it felt 
like a Batman version of the movie Seven or Fight Club, you know, mm-hmm. where they, they kind of do a lot of harsh, sharp edits, you know. Uh, yeah, that that's the only way that I could really kind of describe it. It it felt it felt like it was about sharp cuts, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's uh, the the other thing that I will say was, and this might just be speculation, but uh, I think there were some people online that were saying that. Paul Dano is going to play the Riddler. And I don't have a problem with that in and of itself. Like, I, I actually like Paul Dano. I think he's a interesting actor. He was in uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, he was in this other uh, movie with Hugh Jackman. I forget what it's called. Uh, it, but it's about uh, a kidnapping and uh, hold on, let me look this up. Uh, but from what I've seen, he's you know he was uh yeah the movie was Prisoners. Oh, he was also in There Will Be Blood. So he's he was from what I remember, well, he was one of those up and coming young actors who tries to be more of a character actor than you know someone who's necessarily in it for. Uh, or someone who's trying to be, you know, a superstar. Sure. You know, so that's that's what I remember him for. So I don't. I guess I think that he has a potential to to be a good Riddler. You think he can live up to the legacy of Jim Carrey? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Look. All I can say is, if uh, if that's the bar that's set for him, then uh, his job's his job is that much easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say. I don't remember me and you. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say that the thing that stood out to me in the trailer was the end when Batman takes off his mask and you see that he's wearing eyeshadow. Yeah. It made me. Yeah. It made me want to listen to some My Chemical Romance. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What'd you think of the bat suit? They did show, like, it It was in brief, but, you know, in the age of the internet, it's the sort of thing where, even if you see it for a couple of seconds, like, you can definitely freeze it and, like, just soak yeah. it up. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I'm not that kind of an obsessive fan, so the thought of doing that didn't even occur to me. I didn't really care yeah. too much to examine all the details. Uh, so, yeah. From what I remember, it it didn't look completely stupid. Uh, so here's the thing. I will... <laughs> I, I, not to try to one-up you, but <laughs> I did not do that either, but that's because I actually did see enough of the costume and I retained enough of a memory of it to know that it wasn't something that I would want to go back and freeze a frame <laughs> up to look at it looked yeah like, and, and maybe i might be remembering it wrong but i i don't think i am but it looked kind of blocky and almost robotic from what i remember like there are all these weird 
angles on the costume. Um, yeah, I just uh, googled an image of it. it it's yeah. not something that stands out to me in a good way. Yeah, I mean, I guess in a way, I guess you could say that it's uh, maybe more practical or. I'm or, looking uh, at it now. Something I've... that a real. Uh, vigilante would put together in terms yeah. of the armor and bits. But I do think that that's kind of an example of again that whole you know giving Batman a grittier real world sort of look so they decided to make him look very utilitarian you know. Yeah. Because I'm looking at this now and I'm looking at the images and yeah he's got like shoulder pads and he's got it's there's a lot of plating on it, you know, a lot of yeah. plating. So yeah, he's got some uh, forearm bracers too, I think. Yeah, well, uh, I guess I don't have too much of a problem with that. I mean, Christian Bale had those, from what I remember. Anyway, are you yeah. excited to watch this movie? Did it hype you up, Albert? Will you pay money to watch this in a theater, assuming that theaters are open by the time this comes out? I will look. I if if people I know want to go, I will. I'm willing to go just for the social aspect of going, uh, because I enjoy going to the movies as a social. Uh, experience even oh, though is that because a, it, you get to spend time around people without actually having to talk to them exactly <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna say it's, it's the ideal social experience exactly. going to the movie theater i kind of miss that <laughs> <laughs> it's like i get to remember what it's like to be around people without having to interact with them directly <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can just say hello before you you uh yeah. You know, before the movie starts and then yeah. you sit down for a movie for two hours and then you say goodbye. <laughs> I don't even say goodbye. I just leave. <laughs> I just ditch <laughs> Um Yeah, so... But if you are asking me, am I willing to see this because I want to on its own, I can't say that with any uh, enthusiasm at all. You, Drew? The same. There was nothing about yeah. the trailer that excited me. But yeah. I will say that after watching it, I didn't think that it was going to completely suck. I, I actually do think that there's a chance that it might not suck. Why? What gave you that impression? The music. Okay. Uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. And, and it's not as... And the trailer wasn't as bad as some of the other trailers that we've seen from uh, DC movies. I mean, I'm not optimistic or anything. I'm just saying yeah. that there's a chance I might borrow this from the library one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah like, that's fair. I can't say anything about it directly appealed to me or resonated with me. But yeah, like you, if, if people I know want to watch a movie and, and ask me to go with them, then... Yeah. I'll probably end up going just out of curiosity. I mean, it is still Batman, and I guess I'm still a sucker for Batman. But at the same time, I don't want to, you know, waste my money and waste my time watching something that I know I'm not really going to enjoy. 
Yeah. But I, I don't know for sure yet if this is something that I won't enjoy. There's a small chance that, oh, I don't even know if I can bring myself to say it, but I'll, I'll just say that I'm I'm willing to give them a chance to impress me with another trailer. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Um, so the the one I, I don't want to like dwell on this for too long, just because we we've got other stuff to talk about. But um, one of the things that you did ask me after this was uh, was you asked me whether I felt that. Do you, oh, no, no, uh, this was, you, you asked me this about the Joker, actually, but I, I'm going to apply it to Batman. Okay. Uh, what you asked me, uh, we were talking about the Joker the other day, and what you asked me was, do you feel like there are enough Joker stories? Are we at a point in time where we have enough Joker stories? And I kind of want to apply that to Batman. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was rattling that thought around in my head, and I don't know if I'm necessarily in a place where i'm ready to be done with batman for a while if i'm ready to let that property just sit idle for a while while i you know develop the time to miss it and wait for something for a good batman to come out in a few years you know are you talking about comics included or just movies just movies okay movies okay and like the thought did occur to me it would have been interesting if like they had done this trailer and, like, everybody thought it was Batman, but then, you know, towards the end, the bat symbol morphs into Nightwing, and it turns out Robert Pattinson was Nightwing. <laughs> I would have been, been in for that. I would have been like, okay, okay, we haven't had a Nightwing movie. Robert Pattinson actually looks like Dick Grayson. Okay. Okay. Like, I'm, uh... It's, it's different enough that I'm in for it. Yeah, if, if they had had the balls to trick us like that, then I would have been so amazed. I, I, that that actually would have excited me too. Yeah, so I kind of wish that they had made a Nightwing movie. <laughs> yeah, now I now I feel robbed. <laughs> now, now I'm now I'm even more I'm I'm even more likely not to watch this movie. <laughs> I mean, don't you think Robert Pattinson sort of looks like a Nightwing? Like, he could pull it off, right? Yeah, he's younger. He's a younger-looking kid, yeah. right? Like, could you imagine what his Nightwing or his Robin is going to have to look like? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a fetus! Jeez! <laughs> it's going to be in a little jar, like, punching bad guys. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Sorry, that you Earlier, you mentioned that uh, this Batman trailer made you see that it felt like they were making a sh- uh, a movie about Batman where he's already you know existed for a while. You see different villains that already exist in his world. Yeah. So let's segue into the the next topic of interest, which is the Batman HBO Max TV series they announced. Right. So so, so what they from my understanding of it. The HBO Max TV series takes place in the same continuity as the Batman. And the way that the people described it or try to sell it was that the Batman uh, movie is kind of a year two Batman. And this HBO Max Batman series is a year one type of story dealing more with, um, I think, the corrupt Gotham City Police Department 
I'm not even sure really if uh, Bruce Wayne or Batman or the actor who plays him is really going to be in it, but it, it's going to take, it's supposed to take place in the same continuity from what I read about it. I don't really think they showed anything from it or if they did, I, I didn't check it out. That's yeah. really the only thing I bothered to learn about it. Yeah. This, this, information was so recent that i didn't even find out about it till well okay that's not true so when you put it on the list of uh news tidbits that came out i was kind of surprised by it too but then i stopped and think about it thought about it and i do remember reading or uh reading about some uh another streaming show that was coming out that was going to be more in line with well, not not in line with, but it sounded like they were trying to channel Gotham Central. Mm-hmm. But uh, but knowing them, they probably didn't have the ability or the competency to 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 adhere to you know the comic that is Gotham Central. Yeah, uh, at, at best, it probably would have been a you know a superficial imitation of it. You know, yeah. the, same way, the same way that Gotham was. <laughs> yeah, actually, the way that they kind of described the Batman HBO Max series, TV yeah. series, it, it did kind of sound like another spin on the Gotham TV series, yeah. which was a terrible uh, idea, poorly executed. And I don't really understand why people would want to create something so similar uh, in such a, you know, so such a short time frame after gotham is en- has ended is it en- has it ended i don't even know if it's over it's over oh okay over. well i don't want to go on too much of a rant about this but uh, <laughs> uh i do feel like in recent years it, it used to be like you had years years in between like um the end of one property and you know them coming back to it and rebooting it right like even even with things like james bond or um mm-hmm. the old batman movies or even the old superman like the, the the time in between those was pretty far especially compared to by today's standards but i think in recent years uh recent decades um uh, they've seen how much money that they can make off it and and on top of that it's easier for them to just recycle these characters so that's why we've had three Mm spider-mans since that or or three including that first one right so so the lesson i think that hollywood took from it was oh we don't need to like wait for it and you know pump out all this other stuff that may or may not do well, you know, we can just perpetually pump out Batman movies and perpetually pump out Spider-Man movies. And, you know, if it does badly, we'll just reboot it again. Yeah. It, it, it just kind of gets to a point where it's almost meaningless. Well, that's kind of how the comics are too. If you think about it. That No, that's absolutely true. <laughs> I, I now that you mention it, I do kind of wonder if that's an instance where comics culture 
uh, influenced the movies? Uh, yeah, it, it it could be. I don't know if it's directly an influence, but it it makes sense in in my mind, just because yeah. with comics, they're constantly uh, restarting. Yeah. Um, the series with a new number one issue, right? And to me, yeah. that's kind of like, uh, I think for from the publisher's standpoint, you know, they might they might do a number one issue and then it'll go for like maybe 20 or 30 issues and, and then you know two years two years pass and then they'll be like it's a reboot time then they'll yeah. do a new number one issue with an all-new creative team yeah uh so it, it just it's just one of those uh cycles that feels like uh they're constantly trying to create new jumping on points for new yeah. readers, but in actuality, to me, as a jaded longtime reader, it just feels like more jumping off points, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, so I don't have to read this anymore. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And what I was going to say was part of it is like since comic books have become such a big money generator for movies and they started bringing people on the creative side of uh, comics to to have more influence on the movie side it wouldn't surprise me if like you know they kind of explained to hollywood that oh yeah we kind of re you know we just kind of reboot every couple of years and that's yeah you know and the movie people were you know told themselves so you're saying that we could just re keep rebooting keep making these movies keep having new batmans and we don't have to come up with any new ideas whatsoever and we're just <laughs> collecting our checks Great. <laughs> Anyways. <All right. laughs> the next tidbit of news was that uh, they're doing a Shazam 2 movie. I guess we knew that, but yeah. the only real news that they unleashed was that the title of it is Fury of the Gods. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts? Not really. I, I didn't even watch the first Shazam. Yeah. I can't say that it was something that interested me. Uh, I'm, don't get me wrong. Uh, I enjoy the Captain Marvel character. And to me, he'll always be Captain Marvel. I'm, uh -huh. I don't think I have it in me to call him Shazam. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's just something about the movie that I... I Maybe if I ever go on an airplane and it's a movie on the airplane. <laughs> Maybe if someone holds my family hostage. <laughs> well, if somebody held my family hostage and I had to watch it to to rescue them, of course I would watch it. I'm a hero, man. <laughs> Unfortunately, my family would die. <laughs> so you um, haven't watched it either? I did watch it, actually. Okay. Um, so I was going to say, um, so one, um, I guess the weird thing is I like Captain Marvel slash Shazam as a concept. Uh, yeah. I think I always have, um, there's just something about the idea of a superhero who's actually a kid that. You've always enjoyed that kind of story. Yeah, I have. I'm, I'm Even fascinated. as a grown man, you've enjoyed that story. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the idea of, you know, how how children, you know, with their childlike minds are capable of coping with bigger-than-life uh, 
scenarios, you know? Like, mm-hmm. what happens when they're thrust into situations that are emotionally and mentally above them, I, I guess. So, so you know, I yeah, I've always been into that idea or that, that concept. I, I always thought it made for compelling storytelling. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm also, I don't think I'm such a diehard fan that I have any problem with calling him Shazam. Uh, I think that's because for the longest time, I thought his name was Shazam. So <laughs> it, it wasn't really a new thing to me anyways. Uh, as for the movie, um, I, I think I shared the same feelings that you did when it first came out. Uh, I, I, I had reservations about it and I, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't enthusiastic about it. And after having watched it, I can honestly say that those feelings were justified. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were about to say that you were wrong. No. And then you enjoyed it. No. Okay. Well, yeah. So the <laughs> weird thing, the weird thing about the movie was, I'm not a hundred percent sure if Geoff Johns wrote it, but if he didn't write it, I think it was based off his uh, Power of Shazam run that he did not too long ago. Might have been like five, six years back, something like that. Oh, was that the one with uh, Gary Frank or somebody? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so, um, so it did feel like a lot of the writing did remind me of that Geoff Johns run on on the power of Shazam. I think they were calling it at that at the time. And, uh, so, so take that into consideration. And the second thing to be taken into consideration was, I feel, I, I think Shazam is one of the early slate of movies to come out post Zack Snyder, you know? So mm-hmm. it was one of those movies that was supposed to strike a different tone than, uh, what we had seen previous in, in the uh in the Zack Snyder film so it was it was a film that after everything everyone had said about how dark and ridiculously uh executed that uh grittiness was in those films I feel like the power of Shazam or uh, was an attempt to go in a different direction that was lighthearted and all this and that uh, yeah, and so take that one fact tidbit along with the fact that Geoff Johns wrote uh, that it feels like it's something that Geoff Johns wrote, and I also feel like they took elements from. Yeah, yeah, they they did take elements from his his comic book. Like, um, spoilers, everybody. Uh, the one thing I, that I do remember was that the power of Shazam. So Billy Batson in the movie stays with. Uh, he stays with a foster family and the power of Shazam is split up amongst them and to become the Shazam family. So there are like, I think there are like seven of them. I, I forget how many exactly, but all the, fo- all his foster brothers and sisters end up getting Shazam <laughs> powers and they all have a different colored costume, which now that I think about it is another like, can he do anything that can Jeff Johns not write any comic that doesn't have people all having a different color spectrum? <laughs> but, 
But um, yeah, so that's that's what happens in the movie, and I'm pretty sure they got that from the comic. And I have to say, for people that are Jeff Johns fans, like, I, you know what? If you like it, fine. Uh, but I have to say, like, I don't, I don't really necessarily feel like dude knows how to write people uh he always makes them especially in this movie and in that uh power of shazam comic they all just sounded super corny you know it's mm-hmm. just i just didn't really feel like it it had a natural sound to it it really found, felt like it was a simulations version of what people sound like and maybe that's just me uh but but yeah, uh, after watching those Shazam, the the first Shazam movie, uh, I was uh, I didn't feel bad for not paying to have seen it in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm guessing you're not excited about Fury of the Gods. No, no. <laughs> no. Okay, how about the next item on our agenda, the Black Adam movie starring The Rock? So here's the thing. I am a little more interested in that just because it's it's, it's the rock. It's Dwayne the Rock, the showman, the superstar Johnson. The people's <laughs> champ. The people's champ, the Brahma Bull. <laughs> <laughs> um I think he makes a good Black Adam. So I think he looks cool there. Um He's just an entertaining person. Yeah. Exactly. So that in and of itself is something. So for those of you uh, who are listening and who don't necessarily know who Black Adam is, Black Adam is a character from uh, the, the Shazam comics, and he's he's basically the evil clone twin. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm being flippant, but he's basically the, the opposite Shazam. He's got all the same powers, but he's just a mirror version of, of Shazam. Not literally. He's just a, a, a bad guy version of a, the dude with all the same powers. So, And his powers are tied into Sh- Billy Batson's Shazam Captain Marvel's powers. Yeah, um, so for those of you who are listening, um, Shazam or, or Captain Marvel, he, he basically got his powers from I don't know what are they true like old gods or something like that. Like it was the old wizard, an old wizard named Shazam, and he bestowed uh, him with the powers of seven deities or something, right? Yeah, just classical figures. So each each uh, letter in the word Shazam stands for another figure. So he has the wisdom of Solomon. He has the strength of Hercules, or something, or the the willpower of Atlas uh the might of the thunder of zeus or something and yeah i think the speed of mercury i, I don't remember the each. a is the end of invincibility of achilles and M yeah or the, the courage of achilles or something yeah <laughs> yeah for a second there i thought you were just gonna keep saying or something for the at the end of each one <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so the wizard Shazam is, he's an old wizard that has existed throughout all time. And Black Adam was one of the people that he bestowed with the power of Shazam many, many centuries ago. 
but the problem was he was a, a mistake. He was given the powers, and he was trusted with those powers, but ultimately he was not worthy of those powers. And I don't know how they're necessarily going to like communicate it for the movies, but uh, from the trailer that we've seen, uh, in, in the comics he's pretty much a villain. Uh, although he has had a stint as you know, hero slash anti-hero. And in the trailer that we did see, and it wasn't really a full trailer. It looked more like... Did they... I actually didn't watch watch it. All, all I really knew about was uh, they posted some images and, and The Rock shared some commentary about the movie that he was oh. excited about. Um, but there, there was artwork. Um, I don't yeah. know if the art depicts actual events or scenes in the movie, but there was yeah. one image of Black Adam... And in the background, you had Adam Smasher, Doctor Fate, and uh, shoot, I forget another member of the Justice Society. So, it, 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 if that's the case, it sounds like the Justice Society of America might be in this movie. I'm not sure, but uh, the, there were rumors about how the one of the other main characters is going to be Adam Smasher. And if that's the case, I'm thinking this could be a sort of adaptation of another one of Jeff John's stories. One of his best stories, actually, yeah. from uh, his run on JSA. Because Black Adam, he's he's an ancient Egyptian monarch. Uh, so he, I guess he's kind of like an immortal, but he has always been a, a ruler as well. And in the JSA story, he's actually been working alongside the JSA for quite some time. Uh, yeah. And at a certain point, he sees that his uh, country, it's just this fictional country called Kandak. Yeah. But he, I guess he sees that there's an, there's a unrest in the country. So what he does is he just goes over there and takes over and just installs himself as, as the ruler. So he's basically a dictator. And from there on, uh, he he just rules that country um, as he sees fit with you know basically like a like a fascist well not like a fascist he's he is a fascist <laughs> but he you know he brings to heel all of the uh, rebel fighters and and the military leaders that were vying for power and he he brings a sense of order to the country through a lot of force. And using his powers to to dominate people, yeah. And what happens is, number one, that pretty much creates an international incident um, for the rest of the global community. But secondly, he actually had a couple of other uh, metahumans working alongside him to to conquer his country. And one of them was another, a younger member of the Justice Society named Adam Smasher. And Adam Smasher, it's it's, it's kind of a story about this young hero learning the consequences of his actions because he's just done this he's basically helped someone invade and take over another country um and from his from his young mind his his point of view you know he's not really thinking about any geopolitical consequences he's just thinking we have to save these people that's what heroes do so they had to take out the previous dictator and he doesn't really consider the fact that black adam himself is a dictator <laughs> So Adam Smasher, you know, he's it's a story about him, I guess, losing his 
his innocence or just learning what it is that uh, that heroes should or shouldn't do. And of course, the JSA have to go in there and intervene. Um, and it pretty much ends in tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that that story, if you want to check it out, it's called Black Rain. I, I highly recommend it. Justice yeah. Society of America, JSA, Black Rain. Yeah. Yeah, I never read it, but that was early on in Jeff John's career. And it's it's one of those the comics that he did that put him on the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the trailer itself was, uh, it didn't have any cinematic footage. It looked like one of those, it looked like something someone put together to, um, I, I forget what those things are called, like a sizzle reel, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, just something that someone put, put on to promote and sell people on the idea of Black Adam. Um, yeah, and... What was I going to say? Um, yeah, so uh, the, the one thing that I noticed was that, and I, I remember asking you about it after the fact, was it sounds like they're going to be doing Black Adam as a, what do you call it, as an anti-hero as opposed to just a base villain. And yeah. uh, what your thoughts on that were. How, how do you prefer your... Um, portrayal of black adam and uh i think what makes sense with black adam is that he he is a villain but in his own mind he is maybe not necessarily a hero but he doesn't view himself as necessarily as a villain or you know some evil guy who's just out to um I don't know, cause harm and destruction. He actually thinks he's trying to help his people yeah, bring, yeah. bring peace, order, stability yeah. to his new empire. Well, I mean, I did mention earlier that he was bestowed with the power by the wizard Shazam because the wizard Shazam thought that he, the person that he was, was worthy of the power. There were, there were, characteristics in him that he saw that he believed would make him a great champion Mm -hmm. just turns out he was wrong (laughs) (laughs) i think that uh someone with the wisdom of solomon would have had more uh wisdom (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) apparently he had a bad day (laughs) um moving on yeah, let's move on. So speaking of sizzle reels, one of the things that they showed was footage from the James Gunn, the Suicide Squad movie. What are your thoughts on that? Um, so the footage that I did see, uh, it, it wasn't a trailer or a teaser or anything like that. What it was was you saw like bits and pieces of uh, production as well as like cast interviews. So mm-hmm. on some level you get a little bit more, um, but I didn't necessarily sit through the whole thing. Uh, I did bored see, you, huh? <laughs> uh, I think I got caught up in something else and I stepped away and I just haven't gone back to look at it. Um, but it had the one thing that I noticed that like really jumped out at me was John Cena as what's his name? Peacemaker. Yeah. 
And like that costume really jumped out at me because it was really bright. <laughs> um, the thing that made me chuckle was when he was doing his cast interview and he was like, I basically play a douchey Captain America. <laughs> that made I do me like chuckle. John Cena, though. I do like John Cena, so there's that. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I can't say that the trailer or anything I saw in the trailer on its own merits made me too excited for the Suicide Squad, but I was telling you this over chat, and um, just by the virtue of the fact that James Gunn is directing it, and as someone who likes James Gunn, um, yeah, I, I'm supportive of the movie. Yeah, makes yeah. sense, makes sense. A lot of the characters that he and he chose are total jobbers. Like some of them, I, I don't even, I'm not even familiar with them. And, uh, you know, we know our comics pretty well, but some of those guys, I was like, wait, was Polka Dot Man really a character or am I just making that up? I had to, I had to Google that. <laughs> I think he's real, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's real. Wow. He's, uh, when you've heard of Kite Man before Polka Dot Man, that says something. <laughs> yeah, I know. If we know more about Kite Man than we do about Polka Dot Man, that really <laughs> says something about Polka Dot Man. Seriously, we know we know more about Paste Pot Pete. Yeah, we know more about Paste Pot Pete, uh, Crazy Quilt. <laughs> uh, um, did you have any other thoughts on on the trailer? Uh, I guess I'm kind of thinking the same way you are. Just that uh, because it is James Gunn, I'm I'm more likely to watch this than. Uh, something like Shazam or or the Batman, and Idris Elba's in this movie. I yeah. I forget who he's playing. I think he's playing uh, Bloodsport or somebody. Uh, really? You know another another really... super character, huh? He's really playing a dude named Bloodsport. <laughs> I think that was the dude's name. I mean, I'd I'd have to check to to be confident, but from yeah. what I remember, it was a dude. I think it, it might have been like the early nineties. Or, or late 80s but I think it was a dude that was just uh, I don't even know why or how but I think he was just a dude with guns who tried to fight Superman <laughs> <laughs> it was the shortest comic ever it ended yeah. after a page he <laughs> yeah. came at Superman with a couple of handguns and Superman just flew into orbit and shot down some heat vision <laughs> They weren't even guns. He had muskets. <laughs> he was a Civil War reenactor. <laughs> he took one shot at Superman and then spent five minutes reloading his gun before he could take another shot. <laughs> um, the thing that I, I'm kind of expecting with the Suicide Squad is that it's probably going to be more uh, lighthearted. In a way, like I bet there's there's probably going to be some humor to it from yeah. from what I'm guessing. But I, and I'm also guessing that there's going to be a little bit of heart behind it because being the Suicide Squad, you know that not everybody on this team is going to survive. And the fact that they've casted some uh, actors in these really obscure uh, characters' roles, you know, you know for sure some of them are just going to die. They're cameos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what I was going to say was um, 
you know, just just FYI for people who don't know, James Gunn directed uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and both of those movies, one and two, were both really great movies. Like I, I have high regard for them. I put them up there in terms of like my favorite uh, Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with that in consideration, I also want to say that the first Suicide Squad movie was not something that I had uh, any affection for. You know, like, I borrowed the suicide that first Suicide Squad movie from the library. Yeah, I kept it for like two months, and then I eventually returned it without watching it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how unmotivated I was to watch it. You just couldn't find it in you. Uh, well, I mean, here's the sad thing: like they had Will Smith as Deadshot, and I wanted to like that. You know, I was like, I like Will Smith, I like Deadshot. I want this to be something that I would like, but yeah, it just, yeah. So I actually ended up watching this in theaters and I remember, I remember, and and this was, I, I feel like it was when they were still making films that were trying to fit in with the look of um what's called of of Zack Snyder's Justice League and just the feel of the universe that they were trying to build so it was another like I don't think it was ridiculously um dark and gritty but it was still kind of dark and gritty and it was still like I think they were just at that point where they were beginning to transition or attempt to transition away from from uh, the dark and gritty stuff because you know they had heard of all the stuff that was going on in Marvel and like what people had to say about those movies. So I do think that they tried to redo some of. The, I, I remember hearing that they redid some of the scenes in the movie and tried to like inject more humor. Yeah, <clears throat> but it ended up just being chaotic to watch and yeah, honestly, like just the way that. It was. I I can't really say anything except that it was just badly done. You know, the plotting of it was not not well done, and the aesthetically, the style of it did not just, look appealing whatsoever. It did not. It it didn't. It looked bad, and the characters they tried to, again. It was a thing where they tried to give these guys heart, or yeah, they tried to give these guys heart, but the the thing was. They were still hardened to criminals. So, <laughs> uh, I will say, I think there was like one scene where Will Smith might have. It, it was just. I, I'm not saying that they can't give hardened criminals. They can't make these characters that uh, characters that I would be invested in, but I just think that the way that they did it was not convincing. That right. there we go. That's that's what I'd have to say. The way that they did it didn't convince me that I that I wanted to be invested in these characters at all. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So I, I'm hopeful that James Gunn will do a better job with that. Yeah, I'm confident he'll do a better job than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Speaking of the Suicide Squad, the next item on our list is 
a trailer for Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, the video game yeah. that's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Albert, do you consider yourself a gamer? I, uh, I don't consider myself a gamer. I casually play games at my leisure. So you're a, a casual player? Yes. I, I think that's a fair uh, assessment. You're a casual player. I like it. I like it. Yep, yep. So, but that being said, uh, this game did not appeal to my casual sensibilities. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my understanding of this game was, does it take place in the same universe as Injustice? Because it looks like that's the case. Uh, I don't think so, but heck really? if I know. I don't think so because they're different uh, development studios. Oh, okay, okay. Huh. Weird. Okay. Oh, okay, so uh, let me give a brief description of the trailer. So in the trailer, you see Harley Quinn and she's kind of being kooky. And then you see the rest of the members of the Suicide Squad and they're just kind of sitting around and they're on a mission and they're trading barbs and witticisms with each other, you know, trying to sound cool, kind of detached and just tough or whatever. Yeah. And then suddenly uh, they realize, you know, they're, they're asking each other who the objective of their mission is, who are they trying to kill? And then suddenly from the sky, you see Superman comes, come down and he grabs like a soldier and they just kind of stare at Superman as the realization dawns on them that Superman's the target of this mission. But in addition to that, as they're, as they're realizing that, this Superman is totally menacing looking and he's, he's holding this soldier and the soldier is terrified of Superman. And the next thing you know... He uses his heat vision and he disintegrates this guy <laughs> in front of the Suicide Squad. And the Suicide Squad, yeah, and that's just how the trailer ends. It's Superman has just killed a guy and now we, the Suicide Squad, which is just made up of a bunch of guys with guns and, <laughs> and like low-level and King Shark. And, and King Shark is probably their most powerful guy. Captain Boomerang was there. He's a guy whose whole gimmick is he throws gimmick boomerangs. Actually, so it looks like the Captain Boomerang in the game is the second Captain Boomerang, not the, the classic son? Captain Boomerang. The, the the speedster? Yeah, that's what it looked like from the game, from the okay. gameplay trailer. Because he was like doing stuff super fast and like zooming around all the enemies. Okay. All right. I was going to say that King Shark was their most powerful guy, but... So I guess they got the super speedster... Yeah, Captain Boomerang too. Uh, so that's that's that was the stable of characters that they were looking at, and that's that that was the trailer. Um, Don't forget that the trailer used "Bombs Over Baghdad" by Outkast as the soundtrack. That was "Bombs Over Baghdad," right? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure because, like, I don't think I ever heard the "Bombs Over Baghdad" chorus play. I was like, <laughs> "Is that "Bombs Over Baghdad"?" But uh, yeah, like I, the one good thing about it is, Outcast got royalties. So yeah, I'm happy Outcast, for Outcast got paid. <laughs> That's good for yeah. Outcast. 
yeah. Uh, did you watch the trailer, Drew? Yeah, yeah. I have to say that I, I didn't think that it looked appealing to me at all. Uh, the, I mean, I don't know if I consider myself a gamer either. I play a lot of games. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say I'm just a casual video game player. I would just call myself a player. Nice. <laughs> the Suicide Squad, this game, it, it, it looks like another one of those open world uh, action games. Maybe, I don't know, kind of something along the lines of of like a one of the Batman Arkham games with a little bit of Grand Theft Auto or something. Because the, the other thing I noticed in the trailer, at the beginning of the trailer, they were, the squad was in Metropolis and it, it looked like Brainiac had landed and was doing crazy stuff. Right, right, right. So I don't know if Brainiac is mind controlling the Justice League. And I think you know my feelings on mind control stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or well, it, it's possible that this is... Because this is a video game that takes place in its own universe, maybe the squad actually will literally kill the Justice League. And, you know, that's fine because there's not going to be, uh, you know, a sequel that is going to require them. So I, I guess anything can go, right? But I, I really don't like the aesthetic aesthetics of the, of the game. The designs of the characters look really unappealing, you know? Like, they gave Deadshot a jetpack, and that's just... I don't know, man. It's like, if if you give Deadshot a jetpack, why doesn't everybody else just have a jetpack? You know, why doesn't everybody else just have a suit of armor that can fight Superman? You know, why are they... Why is Harley still using a mallet? <laughs> you know, it, it's stuff like that that I don't really care for that... The, the the way they designed the armor and the costumes it it just looks like how they've it looks like the how they've been designing the costumes for like all of these recent uh, DC universe kind of games yeah. they're just they're just overly busy and and yeah I know it's it's a video game so I, the more important thing is probably still the gameplay but uh, I'm not really too those aren't the kind of games that I'm typically too interested in or drawn to. Yeah. Like I, I might give them a shot just to check it out for the novelty of it. But, but uh, like in terms of the genre of games I play, I'm more into RPGs. Um, maybe this game will have some RPG elements, but it seems like it's just going to be more of an action oriented game. Mm. So well, yeah, it, it, yeah. And I do like, my shooters, first-person and third-person shooters, but this game, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say, man, because with with uh, in today's day and age, I feel like there have been a lot more uh, video games based on comics, like triple A video games. But I have to say, not too many of them have appealed to me. Yeah, I don't know why that is. Like, we like comics. You would. Assume that there'd be one comic book video game that would, in recent history, that would, like, you know, get us jazzed or whatever. Yeah. Even those Batman games. I love Batman. I didn't love this. I didn't like the style of 
the aesthetics of those games, but I still gave them a shot. Yeah. And I, yeah, I played for, you know, a couple hours, but it, it just wasn't something that I felt compelled to play through completion. Yeah. The, so you did play the first one, right? The first uh, Batman Arkham yeah. game, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't anything about the story that even made you want to continue with it to to know to, to the point where you wanted to know how it ends? I mean, the Cur- one good thing I will say about that game was Kevin Conroy was Batman. Yeah. Yeah, the voices were good. I mean, like in terms of the craft... It was a, a well done game, you know. the The world was cool to explore. Uh, the graphics were smooth. The animations were solid, and the game was responsive. And they uh, had some things like the detective vision, where bat you would press hold press and hold a button, and Batman would look for clues in the environment, which is actually a, um, kind of a similar mechanic that would be used several years later in Witcher 3 because the Witcher Geralt has an ability that's basically like Batman's detective ability. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but for some reason, the Batman Arkham Asylum game never drew me in in its story. And maybe that's partly because I've read so many Batman stories uh, and watched so many Batman stories that I I just need something. I don't know what it is exactly, but I... I just need something a little bit more extraordinary in order to hook me in on a Batman story, you know? Like, just yeah. your basic run-of-the-mill Batman's got to round up all the villains kind of story. That that doesn't really uh, hook me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you, man. The other thing that I wanted to mention was um, a game like Injustice was... It's a pre- it, I feel like that did so well that it kind of impacted a lot of their games moving forward and it's hard to ignore that so yeah by saying that i i have to mention that that was a game that i couldn't get behind because it just felt kind of stupid (laughs) yeah it's uh it's kind of like a, a frat boy's interpretation of wouldn't it be cool if yeah Superman went nuts yeah. and started killing people. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> <laughs> but that's... but So the reason that I bring it up was when I watched the trailer for the Suicide Squad game, the fact that Superman like disintegrates a guy with his heat vision right at the beginning, like that that's the thing that confused me because I was like, oh... <laughs> So is this part of the Injustice universe? Is this another Superman... evil Superman story? <laughs> yeah. And like I don't know I don't know why people are so drawn to the idea of like Superman as, you know, a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. like, they keep wanting to see that story being done. Like maybe it's because they think he's like overpowered and they like aren't drawn to heroes that can do everything. But I don't know. I just think it's lame if that's the case. Like, yeah, I, I need him to be. Yeah, I need him to be, you know, menacing, in order for me to, you know, think he's cool. And I don't know. It's just, it's just this constant drone and this constant like 
character uh, assassination assassination of Superman. Like for the past few years, like we've seen it in some form or another. You know, like with the Zack Snyder Superman. Even though I do like Henry Cavill, like I yeah. think he's he's actually a pretty cool like person, uh, and I I think he could be a cool Superman. But just the way that they wanted him to be in those movies, and then you know the new 52 redid Superman yet again and they just stripped him of a bunch of the things that make him you know great yeah and, and like we just, you, yeah they just keep doing it I don't get it <laughs> yeah I was thinking about what you just said a, a moment ago about how people are just drawn and attracted to this idea of Superman as a psychopath because that's the only way that they can think he's cool. It, it it's kind of disheartening when you kind of think about it in those terms because it's like when did the purity of a man's heart become uncool you know like when did it become uncool to be a good person yeah <laughs> you know this is the yeah. kind of world we live in where where people people think it's ridiculous that there's just somebody out there who has power and has a good heart yeah. you know <laughs> if you're that good then you must be corny or you must be lame and I have no reason to look up to you, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, man, I wish more poop people were like Superman, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, well, I think the thing is people want... It, okay, if we look at these as power fantasies, which they are, the what's, what's more of a power fantasy than, you know, a dude being an alpha male who takes no, you know... <laughs> who takes no crap from anybody and does what he wants. And that includes being a jerk to other people and not having them be able to do anything back to you, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, like there are, look, we share this world with a whole mess of different kinds of people and there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, that's just society and I have to coexist with these people, fine, whatever. But some people just need to take a good, long, hard look at themselves and what their priorities are and uh, what they value. And maybe, just maybe, there's a way for you to be a better person. <laughs> maybe you have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So... That so Moving on to uh, something that kind of exemplifies that, you know, sad state of that sad mentality. Uh, yeah. let, let's talk about the Snyder Cut Justice League trailer. Yeah. So, okay, for people who aren't fan or who, who aren't necessarily super informed about... Uh, like if you don't spend all of your free time on social media... <laughs> Yeah, or even just, you know, with your finger on the pulse of, like, what's popular in comics. Uh, so Zack Snyder did... He, he was kind of the architect of the DC Universe uh, movie. So he set the tone and the feel for all the movies when he did Superman, of, uh, Superman Man of Steel and Batman v Superman and... Um, Justice uh, League. Justice League. Uh, he, he had kind of set the tone for those movies moving forward and all the other movies that were coming out of DC at the time were meant to uh, tap 
into that same tone, even if they weren't uh, directed by Zack Snyder himself. Um, but as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, like it was just so badly done that it, uh, although the movies made money, they were critically panned and um, a lot of people didn't really like them too much. Uh, well, certainly could not be more accurate to say that a lot of critics didn't like them, but it yeah, seems yeah, like a right. lot of a yeah. lot of uh, the masses, the uh, you know, the average fans did like it. Well, okay, so I, I mean, you've opened up a can of worms because even that I think is debatable. I think the people that do like it were extremely vocal about how much they liked it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They know. were loud about it. Yeah, but I don't know if like everybody liked it, you know? You know, I haven't checked on a uh, Rotten Tomatoes or anything, but yeah. do you know if those movies, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure they have low critic ratings, but do, what about in terms of fan approval? Uh, that's a good question. I... So th- that, that could be, an, that might be an indicator of um, whether or not the masses did like it, or if we're just dealing with a, you know, a small vocal yeah. Minority. So I'm checking for Batman v Superman Rotten Tomatoes fan rating. Uh, it says here that it's 28%, but I don't know if it's still just giving me the the crit critics rating. Oh, okay. I, I have to actually click on it. Just give me a sec while I pull these numbers up. 62% audience score, which is marginally, well, well 12% that's better 28. than half. That's, yeah. that's significant. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I, saw, I, I said all that to say that um, what the Snyder Cut is, so by the time the, the movies had gotten to the Justice League, uh, Warner Brothers had decided, okay, what we've been doing hasn't been working. Um, we need to... We need to like uh, revamp what we've got going on. So, uh, due to circumstances uh, unrelated to the movies uh, in Zack Snyder's personal life, he ended up having to walk away from the Justice League movie. And Joss Whedon was uh, who did the, who's known for Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the Avengers movies ended up stepping in, and they thought that he could apply his. Um, you know, quote unquote talent and his vision to the Justice League and make it uh, something that was closer to what he had done with the Avengers over at Marvel. So, <clears throat> so um, what we end up getting for the Justice League for that Justice League movie was it was a disaster. It was just a mess. <laughs> like it was it was a Frankenstein monster of. Zack Snyder footage and Joss Whedon footage and um, you know they even had to get Henry Cavill to come back and reshoot some scenes but then he ended up not they ended up having to like CG a mustache on him because he was growing off him off him off him right because he was wearing he had to grow a mustache for another role and he couldn't shave (laughs) it and like it was just like cringe it was just a meme worthy cringe (laughs) <laughs> uh, of an image you know 
And yeah, that final movie was just a disaster. So much so to the point where the fans who, like, up to that point, like, I, I would even go as far as to say, just from as a casual observation, so, you know, feel free to refute me if I'm wrong. But up to that point, I don't think the fans were, like, huge on the idea of backing Zack Snyder. But when Justice League came out and it was so bad, it felt like that's when it activated their, like, passion for, <laughs> for like... It, it felt like all of a sudden everything Zack Snyder had done in retrospect was gold just because of how bad that movie was. So a hashtag started trending and people wanted the the Snyder, the quote-unquote Snyder cut of the Justice League movie to be released, which was the original vision of Zack Snyder, of Zack Snyder's Justice League movie. And they've been like pushing for this for years um so much so to the point when hbo uh decided to roll out their upgraded streaming service hbo max one of the um one of the things that they were using to boost their profile was you demanded it we are releasing the snyder cut <laughs> exclusive to hbo max and you know the the fans, the Zack Snyder truthers out there, were foaming at the mouth. They were so happy at this. So ridiculous. How does that sound? How does that sound, Drew? You left out the part where the Zack Snyder released the Snyder Cut fans were so vocal that they would go out of their way to harass and bully people on social media in a, you know in an attempt to get their movie made. Yeah. You're right. That that is part of the backstory was that they were they were like so uh passionate about this that they would harass people. <laughs> you know, because that's a sign of sanity and uh <laughs> you know, and the thing were... that sucks is that they got what they wanted, so in a way they were kind of justified in their minds. Yeah. You know, they they think that you know, this is what happens when you stand up for what you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, in their minds, that in their minds, they're heroes. Yeah. They they're freedom fighters who fought for a cause and they got what they wanted. It's yeah. so much so to the point where after this came out, other people began trying to make other hashtags trend. So there were people who wanted to see the Ayers cut of uh the suicide squad. squad so they were now they started pushing to make that happen which was you know i i don't re remember the backstory for this one quite as well because i didn't even know it was a thing but i guess things happened to david ayer while he was directing the suicide squad mm -hmm. that forced him to not be able to complete his vision the way that he wanted like so i don't even know what ended up really happening because i didn't look too much into it but apparently they want now the there these people who essentially are soldiers in the in the stupidest war that they could be fighting for. <laughs> they have nowhere to like pour their energies into. Like they could be volunteering at an animal shelter or like, you know, 
being vocal against like climate change or something, but instead <laughs> this is what they want to do. <laughs> you know? Um, so, so we're getting the uh, Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League. And they showed the trailer for the Snyder cut at Fandom. Right. What did you think of the trailer? Think it'll be any better than the actual oh. movie? Or will it just be equally as bad in a different way? I think that's probably the fairest way to describe it, quite honestly. Like, I think on some weird level, this was this was a, a gift to Zack Snyder. Like, Joss Whedon's, you know, final product was so bad that people went back and looked at him like he was a misunderstood genius, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. all of a sudden, like... If you had just let him do what he had wanted to... People forget how bad those other movies were. <laughs> and then we see the trailer and Darkseid... Okay, so the one thing about the trailer is Darkseid is in this version of the movie. In the original... In the or the first release of Justice League, it was implied... Or I, I think you get the impression that Darkseid was supposed to be in it because it's a story that revolves around, um, you know... Apocalypse. The fourth, exactly, Apocalypse and, you know, that that segment of the DC universe. But but we never actually see Darkseid. And then the first... One of the first images in this new trailer is you finally see Darkseid. So for those of you who are listening who don't necessarily know who Darkseid is, he's kind of... And, you know, this is a very, like, superficial description, but he's, he's like, DC's Thanos from the Avengers, from the Marvel movies. Um, but anyways, you see him, and he, he's got, I think he's not wearing a shirt, now that I think about it. Yeah, he's, he's shirtless. shirtless. Oh, See, that's a bad sign in and of itself. Anytime, oh man, <laughs> shirtless dark side, shirtless dark side with an omega symbol tattoo on his chest. Oh, not not just a tattoo; it was a brand. It's a brand, so you know, Zack Snyder really applied the douche filter on dark side. Yeah, yeah, he, he applied the douche filter to twelve, <laughs> not even eleven. 12. I saw that shirtless dark side with the Omega yeah. brand on his chest. It made me think of that Key and Peel sketch uh, fraternity branding. <laughs> so so all y'all who are listening, you know, pause the podcast right here. Go on YouTube. Just do a search for Key and Peel fraternity branding and you'll see <laughs> what I'm talking about. It's, it's just like dark side from the Snyder Cut. Yeah. But the thing is I, I totally could, like, I can totally see how, like, a, a dude who who feels like a tough guy thinks that that's a cool version of Darkseid, you know? Yeah, like, I, I mean, I could I could see that, but I, I could never um, support I don't approve of it. <laughs> and approve of it, yeah. I mean, that's that's basically what this version of Darkseid is. He's, he's shirtless, he's... Like so, Darkseid's thing is he he's he's constantly searching for the anti-life equation. So he's got Omega symbols uh, as a part of his design, right? So Zack Snyder 
I mean, it, Look at it, this. it's actually not even really part of his design, if you think about it. If you think about the original Jack Kirby That's Dark Side, it's not really his design, but it, it's more of just the, the concept of, of what he is. So, you know, it, now we're talking about Dark Side, and, and today is, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier, we're recording on August 28th. It's, it's actually Jack Kirby's birthday. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And oh. so Jack Kirby was the one who created these characters uh the fourth world characters like dark side um and what what dark side actually is supposed to be i think if you look at any kirby comic and and the comics that are written by the uh, acolytes of kirby you know people like uh, mark evanier or walter simonson you know if you look at what dark side is supposed to be in the comics what he is is a reflection of the evil in man's heart. So everything that he does, like you were saying, he, he's looking for something called the anti-life equation, which is basically a way to enslave people and strip away their freedom. Yeah. And it, it, it's something that I don't think we really necessarily have to go into great detail to define because it's, it's more about the idea of enslavement and the loss of freedom and human will. That's the thing that he's after. Um, and all of the best Dark Side comics are, are stories where they deal with Dark Side as just a force of evil because he is a tyrant who, who, who wants to control everything. He wants to, he wants to enslave everything to, to his will, basically. But it's not the fact that he's so powerful that makes him... A threat you know he he has this thing called the omega sanction where, where he shoots these beams from his eyes um i guess they're called the omega beams and when you when he zaps somebody omega with beam, those... or is it the omega effect or is it that the beams cause the omega effect? <laughs> i think the beams cause the effect okay all right <laughs> yeah but, but that, that's where the whole omega thing comes from yeah 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 and and it, it it's he's super strong he shoots these beams that can zap you through time or disintegrate you or kill you, you know, they, they have a variety of effects. He's super strong. He's super smart and he has access to all sorts of technology. He, for all intents and purposes, he, he is a God. Yeah. Who, who happens to be the, the tyrant despot ruler of a planet where everybody who lives on that planet is enslaved to his will and basically lives the worst life imaginable in order to serve his purposes which is to continue searching for the anti-life equation yeah but the thing that that all the best dark side stories do is that they're not really about having superman punch the hell out of him you know yeah 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 like there there's something about dark side that that is more threatening than just a guy that's super strong and can beat up superman because this yeah. is a guy that is so evil. When you when you think about it, what you're supposed to see is that this this capacity for evil is the capacity of evil that lurks within every human being as well. And and that's the the horrifying thing about the character is yeah. that he 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 is the embodiment of that type of menace and that type of um, depravity. So. To, to constantly trot out these stories, and not, I'm not just talking about 
um, this Justice League movie, but you know, there's a lot of modern comics that that kind of follow along the same lines too. Like so many people end up writing these stories where they just see Darkseid as, um, you know, like a space Hulk or something, where he's he's just this monster who's super strong, and you just got to punch him super hard until he goes down. And that's just weak to me, man. That is whack. That's uncreative. <laughs> it is disrespectful to Jack Kirby. <laughs> And his imagination. I wish yeah. those people would just stop writing stories. Who people who do that, man? Yeah. Well, I, so yeah, I think the thing about Dark Side is, and, and I do think it's a thing that happens to a lot of like big name villains is they end up because they inhabit this level of power that's just so powerful. People writers end up using them a lot because, yeah, man, like what's a bigger threat than this guy? But they don't realize that the more you use them and, you know, if you lose use them to less effect, the less effect the character has, yeah. period, over time, right? You just dilute him as a yeah, character. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're constantly watering dark side down. And, and I guess... I guess that's why we have this kind of dark side in the movie because so many comics in recent years have done such silly things with him. job of using him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why now he's reduced to a tough guy with an Omega symbol <laughs> branded into his chest. And it's like, again, like I could see how like uh, a faux tough guy would look at that and be like, yeah, man, that's so how boss is that? Yeah. And he's got that cool looking symbol, like just etched in his chest. How, how badass, man. <laughs> I just want you to hold your breath and never to take another one. <laughs> I just, that's all I want you to do. That's all you're good for. <laughs> just hold your breath indefinitely. <laughs> Hold your breath until we get the air cut of the Suicide Squad. <laughs> Are you committed to your cause or not? <laughs> you should go on a hunger strike. <laughs> uh, were there any other uh, things that caught your attention about the um, the Snyder cut of the, the trailer of the Snyder cut? Not really. It it still looked awful to me. Yeah. It's hard to really fathom what he could do to improve or... Yeah, what could he possibly do to improve the movie? I it's probably say... got a bunch of... Uh, like, it, yeah, it. I, I did hear that there was a lot of footage um, that was unused in the theatrical version so he's probably got a lot of footage to work with but i'm just i have no faith whatsoever in him as a director <laughs> i think that everything we've seen indicates that this movie that the snyder cut will not appeal to us it's it's i don't know if I would ever bother watching it, even if I had the opportunity to. It it just sounds like it's going to be really long too. Like it sounds like he had so much extra footage that it's going to be longer than what the actual theater version was. 
Jeez. Um, I also heard that uh, I read an article somewhere that said that with the Snyder cut, they're going to have Cyborg as the real focal point and the heart of the Justice League. Of course they are. <laughs> Great response. <laughs> oh man. Um I uh, yeah, I was going to say like I think by default it could be a less chaotic movie if only because Zack Snyder will have had a singular vision all the way through because the movie we did get was disjointed it was super disjointed and visually like it was you you did watch it right drew yeah that one i i did watch i i don't know how i managed to power through it um i think i actually i borrowed it from the library and i think i actually might have needed two sittings to get through it i probably just you know watched like half of it one night and then a week later watch the rest of it yeah it was like the the thing that i remember or that i remember vividly is the the very like final battle scene where they're i think they're in like russia or siberia or something and everything is just orange <laughs> even more so than usual it was just ugly dude but uh so I do think there's a chance it'll be at least a more cohesive experience to watch, but that, yeah, I, I, take that for what you will. Like, if you consider that better, then yeah, it's better for you, I guess. Um, yeah, he just he just loves that sepia tone. He he just has that filter on on everything he does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say there was that line at the end that caught my attention <laughs> um, where, you know, the Justice League is sitting around and the, the, Flash, is right. <laughs> the Flash is talking to Batman. He's like, you mean, so he's, he's lived for thousands of years and he's conquered, you know, thousands of planets. So he's killed like super beings before, right? And the Batfleck, he's like, you know, gritting his teeth and all tough and he's just like I, I don't even remember exactly what he says but he's like I don't care if he's fought a hundred demons in a hundred hells or something like that he hasn't faced us <laughs> <laughs> it was something like that you know <laughs> which I, I'll admit that probably gave me a, that tickled me a little that was up there with um if there is even a 1% chance that he could go insane on us or whatever. <laughs> if there's even a 1% chance that he's our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if he's fought a thousand demons and a thousand hells. <laughs> he's never fought us. I stab at thee (laughs) He's never (laughs) fought us twice (laughs) Come on (laughs) Oh Zachary Snyder (laughs) 
Zachary Walking Stick Snyder. <laughs> this man, this monster. <laughs> oh man, that's yeah. the cut. The next bit of news is they talked a little bit about the Flash movie. And from what they described, it sounds like it's going to be an adaptation of Flashpoint. Lame. <laughs> it sounds like they also either they're in negotiations with. I'm not sure if they're still in negotiated, still in negotiations, or if they actually signed contracts. But it sounds like they're getting uh, Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton to play uh, the different versions of Batman, because Flash is going to you know go through the multiverse. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, you ain't excited about Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton coming back as Batman? Um, I have love, you know what, to be honest, I do have love for Michael Keaton as Batman. Like, maybe that comes from a place of nostalgia, but, uh, you know, I liked him in Spider-Man Homecoming, and I liked him in, uh... Birdman? Birdman, so, yeah. I'm glad he's working. Um, but what I was going to say is, uh, Flashpoint in and of itself is a pretty, it's not one of those story concepts that I was big on to begin with. So the idea that they're making a movie adaptation of that, uh, it doesn't, it was never going to win me over quite honestly. Yeah. So Um, Flashpoint is another Jeff Johns comic. (laughs) Yeah. Somehow they're constantly strip mining Jeff Johns works. He's their guy, man. He is. Yeah, he is their guy. Flashpoint was a comic that came out, I don't know, I guess it's been like, what, nine years now? I guess. Something like uh, nine years. It, it, it was a story about uh, the Flash, the Barry Allen Flash, going back in time to prevent the death of his mother. And I guess when he did that, it, it caused everything in the timeline to get all messed up. So he started, so he ended up, or... I guess I don't even know if it was him or if it was we as the reader, we ended up in this, you know, twisted version of the DC universe and uh, everything had to somehow culminate together to the point where um, at the end of it, all of the different universes in the multiverse somehow. Uh, it I was basically, there a was story. a flashpoint. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the infinite multiverse was reduced to 52 worlds or something. I I don't even remember. I mean, the short version of it is he goes back in time and he screws up the timeline. And as a result, they live in an alternate universe, but there's a part, but he still remembers what the right universe is supposed to be like. And then he takes it upon himself because this new universe is like one that's worse than the universe that we did have. And it's one where, you know, Atlantis and uh, the Amazons are at war and it's a war that's going to tear their earth in half uh, because they're just going to fight each other to the death. And so what ends up happening is Barry Allen has to go back and set things right and make the universe you know, go back to the way that it was. He has to stop Make the himself. universe great again? Make the universe great again. <laughs> Mooga. 
but then yeah but then he ends up fixing it and the universe that they do go back to it's it's closer to the universe that we had but it's different now and that's how they retconned everyone into being younger <laughs> oh that's right yeah i was yeah. i was thinking about something else when i was thinking about all the 52 worlds i think i was cuz i think before that there had already been it had already been established yeah. that there were 52 worlds yeah and after flashpoint that was when we got the new 52 which was just yeah. the the name of the movement from dc comics when they relaunched their universe but i i guess that was supposed to be like the the main universe moving forward yeah up until you know a couple of years ago when they had to revamp everything again with rebirth yeah so from what i hear in this uh flashpoint movie the speed force that powers the flash is going to split into a spectrum so that you're going to have seven <laughs> Wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Flashes. <laughs> it's an emotional spectrum of flashes. Yeah, so the green flash is the sad flash and the blue flash. <laughs> wait, are you serious? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I would have believed you, man, because it was Jeff Johns, man. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> This is a movie, this is a story that, for some reason, the DC, um, for some reason, DC Comics, like, holds in high regards. Oh, you know what, I guess the fans like it, and I guess it make, made them money, but they made this into a cartoon already. Yeah, there's the Flashpoint Paradox. Yeah, there's a cartoon movie that exists for it. Did you watch that one? I think I did, actually. I guess you didn't like it. I guess, yeah. No, I I think I did, and I didn't like it. Yeah. And um, for those of you who watched the CW Flash show, I'm pretty sure they took a lot of elements from the CW Flash show, uh, from uh, from Flashpoint, and applied it to the CW Flash show. Like I, I think Flashpoint was a big part of their. Oh, they, they they did a story where Barry went back in time to save his mom in, in the TV show? Uh, it was part of the first episode. Like, uh, yeah, they, like in the first episode, from what I remember, was, was he as a kid, he sees the Flash in the future. Um, what, or he sees himself in the future as the Flash coming back to try to save his mom from Eobod Thawne. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't know what it is he's seeing as a kid. And then I think in a couple of seasons, they end up following through with that story. And what ends up happening is they do have uh, the Flashpoint Paradox or whatever it's called. So he ends up living in an alternate universe as a result for some period of time or something. <clears throat> so... Man. So Why again, are they doing it again for a movie? Yeah, they've done this several times. Yeah, several times. I can't say that the news from fandom has made me uh, salivate with excitement for this Flash movie. If anything, I'm even less likely to be interested in it now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, so, um, you know, back to that thought that I just had earlier. Like, 
Well, okay, so, okay, so I think in the last one or two seasons of the CW shows, they did, like, their version of Crisis, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the big deal, or, like, one of the things that everybody was making a big deal about was, oh, we got uh, Kevin Conroy to be in it, and we got um, Tom Welling, I think, from, was that his name? Oh, the guy from Smallville? Yeah. They got him to play a version of Superman. They got Brandon Roth to play a version of Superman. For this and, Flash movie? No, for, for the Crisis uh, show oh. that they did in oh, okay. CW. So they, they found ways to get, to get characters who had played um, Superman and Batman, like alternate versions of them, to, because they were alternate realities that they were traveling through, they found ways to get them to be part of the show right amongst the fandom that likes that sort of stuff, which is not an insignificant part of the, the fans fan fandom. Like they went crazy over that stuff, regardless of whether the the show was good or whatever, they were just crazy about that. uh, Finding out that that was going to happen. And it would not surprise me if that affected the decision to have Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton in uh, in this movie. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can see that. Yeah. Another trailer that they released uh, fandom was the Gotham Knights video game trailer. Did you check that trailer out? I did. I did. Uh. Okay, so I'll, let me describe it just to get us all on the same page. But uh, it start, it's the, the trailer starts with a video recording of Bruce Wayne. Um, it, it's a letter. It, it's, it's not a letter. It's a recording of him uh, talking to his... To the a video log. A vlog. Uh, it's a vlog of him <laughs> talking to... Uh, the people that he has been training and working with over the past years. So you, you've got Batgirl, you've got Robin or Red Robin. I'm not even sure which one he is. Um, I think it's, I think it's just Wayne, supposed to be Robin. Okay. So it's Robin. I don't know which Robin have... it's supposed to be, but I think it's just Robin. Okay. And Nightwing and Red Hood. So these are all people who have been prominent parts of uh, Batman's uh, life. And the revelation is Batman has, uh, if they're listening to this vlog, Batman has died. And, you know, it's up to them to uh, carry the, the the weight of Gotham on their shoulders and carry on for him now that mm-hmm. he's, he's missing or fallen. So uh, the way that the game looks is, I, I assume you can play as any one of the four characters yeah. As you try to, uh, you know, protect the city in the absence of Batman. And I'm sure that over the course of the game, you will find out that he's not dead and you have to save him. That is that is my guess for the game. You don't think there's a chance that he's actually dead? I do think there was a scene where there was a deranged Superman who punched him through the heart. 
That, that was wasn't that an injustice? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's not a game that. Look, we we already mentioned earlier that so far in, the, in terms of modern video uh, comic book video games, there there really haven't been anything to excite us, and uh, I would say that this trailer continues that trend. Yeah. 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 What what if what if the twist is that Batman is alive but all this time he's been brainwashed and they're fighting his <laughs> forces. <laughs> oh man. That would be truly truly bad. I, <laughs> that is some lame storytelling. <laughs> that is some lame storytelling. Uh, what do you think about this idea of the Red Hood being one of the playable characters? Like he's, you know, on the same uh, level or, you know, on the same team with Nightwing and Batgirl and Robin. To be honest, that was one of the things that caught my attention because it didn't make sense to me. Uh, so you see like Batgirl and Nightwing and Robin all using non-lethal tactics to like beat up crooks. And then when it jumps to the Red Hood's scene, he's got a gun and he's like just shooting these guys. Like, maybe there's something that you can tell me where he's shooting to wound or there are rubber bullets. bullets that just incapacitate people. Rubber bullets, man. <laughs> shooting yes. BB guns. But that ain't the Red Hood, man. To be fair... Ever since they brought Jason Todd back as the Red Hood, uh, that, I was never into any of that. As far as I'm yeah. concerned, Jason Todd should have just remained dead. Yeah, yeah, I, I ain't into the Red Hood either, man. That, yeah. That's always been a... Ever since they brought him back, it's been, what, like 13, 14 years now? It's been it? pretty lame stuff. Yeah, I have yet to see anything. Uh, the, the one good story that he was in was Batman and Robin by Grant Morrison. Yeah. That was it. That's the only thing I can think of. Everything else has just been like, I, yeah, there's nothing that just really justifies him existing in the universe. Yeah. There's nothing that justifies him existing in the universe. And then secondly, even if he did exist in the, even if we have to accept the fact that he exists in their universe, it doesn't make sense why why would he work with Batman? Yeah, well, like why would Batman give him his video diary? Um so I think this is an example of a case of uh like I think this is telling of like where we are in in the following of his story because I think he's had a character arc since then where he's I want to say that he's come back into the fold. Yeah, I um, guess so. Like in the in the in recent Batman comics, he's been more of like an anti-hero. It, I guess it kind of reminds me where you remember, like maybe around twenty years ago, what the Huntress was in the Bat Family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's it's kind of like that. He, Jason Todd, the Red Hood. He's really not just the Red Hood. He's the like the redheaded stepchild of the Bat Family now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, like they, they kind of have to just accept him, even though he's a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He still uses guns, and I don't really understand 
why Batman tolerates that. Yeah. That, that's weird to me. Yeah. Like, I think there's even a comic now where I think he runs the Outsiders now. No, no, no. It was uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws. Oh, Outlaws. Sorry. Yeah. Wrong out team. <laughs> <laughs> Outsiders, Outlaws, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that is a comic I have zero interest in reading. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know who wrote that. Who wrote that? Scott Drobdell. <laughs> yeah. He sucks. He sucks. <laughs> the final trailer that I think that they showed, or I don't know if it was the final one that they showed, but the final one that we have to talk about is the Wonder Woman trailer. The They released a new Wonder Woman 1984 trailer. Yeah. Um, so this wasn't the first trailer. It's actually the second trailer. They did one, uh, an earlier teaser. Yeah. Trailer. Um, the earlier this... one had music, man. The earlier one had a, a remix of Blue Monday by New Order, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I like the first trailer a lot better, actually. It was all was... about the music, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, even the comical bits were things that I could get more into, you know, okay, like, okay. so here's the thing. The second trailer showed more of the fighting and it showed more of the villain. So you kind of got an idea for, um, Cheetah, Cheetah and what she was going to look like and what Maxwell Mr. Lord and what Maxwell Lord was going to look like. And I, I, I even get a hint of, what it is that's happening because um mm -hmm. in the first trailer you see that steve trevor is back but there's no real explanation and in the second trailer there's a voiceover that talks about how you could wish for anything and get whatever you want so i feel like there's some sort of like part of the story of this new uh wonder woman is going to be about some enigmatic force or power that grants people's wishes <laughs> yeah so yeah so Kristen wig is um you know i knew she was gonna be cheetah and for those of you who don't know who cheetah is she's a long time wonder woman villain who's she was originally a lady in a cat costume but over time she's evolved to become like a an actual cheetah woman a wear cheetah a wear cheetah um and so in this trailer um so when they announced that Kristen wig was gonna be cheetah i wasn't really sure how that was gonna play out or they were gonna do something clever and they ended up just literally just making her the wear cheetah and I, you know what i've i've never been a huge fan of cheetah as a concept or as a wonder woman villain so that that didn't do much for me actually when I actually saw that and and on top of that the the CG didn't look too good. <laughs> Hello. You there, Albert? I think my connection might have dropped you or something. I'm not hearing you. Hello. 
Hello? Say something, Albert. Hello? Hello? Can you hear sorry. me? Yeah, yeah, sorry. I lost my connection for a second there. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I, I lost the... Uh, I lost your audio for a, a few seconds. Okay. Yeah, so I, I don't know if you caught what the last thing I said was. Oh, you're but... still coming in a little in and out for me. Really? Oh, wait. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. You're, you're talking about the cheetah? Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't, like, really a huge fan of cheetah. I was hoping that they'd do something clever with cheetah. But, you know, just seeing her as an... Hello? Hello? Oh, I can hear you now. Sorry about that. Yeah, my... Just breaking up. Sorry. I think my uh, Wi-Fi is going in and out. Uh, okay, so anyways, like I was saying, so just I was hoping that they'd do something clever with Cheetah, but then actually seeing her as a were Cheetah and to have bad CGI on top of that really didn't do much for me. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't... It wasn't anything that made me more excited to watch the movie. Like yeah. you said, I think the first trailer was more uh, entertaining. Yeah. For me, it, it was the music. Song. Yeah. yeah, I had the music. And and there's something to be said, I think, about trailers that don't reveal too much of the story. Yeah. Uh, the whole idea of... of uh, it sounds like Maxwell Lord is... He's got some sort of... Uh, business genie. or or he's got what i was gonna say a genie <laughs> yeah a genie or something that that could just make people's dreams or wishes come true that i don't know that 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 sounds kind of weird to me i'm not i mean I, it's I hokey. how it plays out yeah it's hokey it, it's yeah it sounds like a throwback to an older era's style of storytelling where you know things don't necessarily have to be too sophisticated you can just kind of have some sort of contrived uh, situation just so you can put the characters into the plots that you want them to experience. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that can work out. Uh, I'm not too big a fan of the idea of Maxwell Lord as a villain, personally yeah. speaking, but I think I can understand why um, they chose to use him. Yeah. I mean, I like the actor. What's his name? Pascal? I think so. I don't remember uh, if I've ever seen anything with him in it. He was in Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, I like Kristen Wiig just because it's Kristen Wiig, but uh, I'm, I don't even know if they can really save that this time. I, uh, yeah, I, I'd probably still rather watch this than the Snyder Cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, definitely. I'd rather watch this over the Snyder Cut, over uh, the Batman, yeah. over the Flash. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dude. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the first Wonder Woman film. Yeah. I think there were some things I appreciated about it but overall 
it wasn't something I, I cared for or liked. Mm. Uh, but I, I do think that the, the sequel has potential to be to be better. I think I'm just really tired about tired and burned out by rehashing origin stories. Yeah. It just feels like for for people like us who have read so many comics, if we're gonna watch a movie that tells an origin story, they've gotta do something fresh. Yeah. And Wonder Woman did not do anything fresh. Yeah. I mean the other thing I will say that I I wanted to mention was I do like Gal Gadot. Like she seems charming on screen, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Oh, so was there any good news to come out of fandom? I can't honestly say there was anything that made me more excited to be a DC fan. <laughs> um, there was some comic book news that came out. Uh, yeah, to me, that was probably the best news. Yeah. Like... What what's this here uh, on our next? So so the two pieces of comic book news. It, it's sad we 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 talked all this stuff about video games and movies and and we could only come up with like two significant pieces of comic book news. One of them, and in in a way, I guess both of them are also tangentially related to movies as well. But one of them is that they finally officially announced that John Ridley's Batman miniseries is coming out next year. I don't even know what this is. What, what is so so? John Ridley is a director and screenwriter. Uh, he, I think his his famous ones are what like Three Kings. I think was one of his. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, shoot, I can't remember his discography or filmography off the top of my head. Uh, oh, he worked on 12 Years a Slave. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think off the top of my head, that's that's all I can think of without looking stuff up. But he's written a couple of comics. He's more known as a filmmaker, but he's written a couple of comics in the past. Back in the mid-2000s, he did a comic book, ser- a miniseries for uh, the Wildstorm line, the Wildstorm imprint. And this wasn't in the Wildstorm universe. It was just his own kind of story. I don't know if he maintains any ownership or anything in it, but it's it was called The American Way. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the cover, but I, I don't think I ever read it. Yeah, I still have a copy of it. And I, I remember reading it at the time and really appreciating it and liking it. It, it was a story about in the 40s, the American government, created uh i forget how exactly but they created a superhuman uh team or a super a superhero team who could fight uh crime and and uh bigger threats that were starting to crop up in in the world around the 50s so i guess that includes like fighting dirty pinko commies and stuff <laughs> so they, they created the government created this team that would attract and they were a public team to, and that would attract the adoration of the public and then uh the story picks up in the 60s i think at the during the height of the civil rights movement and it's the first time that this team gets an african-american uh superhero to join them and that's when uh all sorts of stuff ends up happening 
I don't remember the specifics of the plot too well, but I remember thinking that it was a really good comic. So I should, I should reread my copy of it. They actually, he actually did a sequel. Uh, the original artist on the first miniseries was Jorge Janti. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name, um, but they uh, recently did a sequel several years ago, um, right before Vertigo died. They they did a sequel. Um, which I haven't read yet, but I would like to. And I think currently, or I'm not sure if it's currently or if it's upcoming, but John Ridley is also doing some, I think it's upcoming actually. He's doing something called, I think it's called the history of the DC universe. And I think Giuseppe Comincoli is going to draw that. It's basically going to be a history of the DC universe from the perspective of some of the more marginalized uh, characters I don't really know too much more of, about it than that. And for quite a while, uh, probably uh, a couple years at least, they've been talking about John Ridley doing a Batman miniseries. So what we know now after this announcement is that it's supposed to come out uh, next year. I can't remember who the artist is at this time. It, I'm just having a brain fart. Yeah. But the... The, it sounds like the concept of it is that it's going to be about an, an African-American Batman. Hmm. So I, I don't know if this is something that's out of continuity or if it's an in-continuity story where somebody like The Signal ends up taking on the mantle of the Batman. Yeah. Don't don't really know any story details beyond that, but it, it's something that uh, is worth noting because John Ridley, when he has done comics, they've been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He also did that one authority graphic novel, Human on the Inside. Oh, yeah. That was pretty good. I yeah. That one. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, he yeah. wrote that and Ben Oliver drew that one. Nice. So that that's something to look forward to. Yeah. The other big comic book news is the return of Milestone. Yeah. That um, one, hearing that made me feel good. Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh... In a in an event that didn't have too much comic news, uh, to hear that they were reviving this line, something that was unexpected. It like it wasn't a lot of comic book news, but at least it was that you know it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who uh, who don't know too much about comics, Milestone was a line that was around in what was it the nineties. Mm-hmm. The early mid nineties, yeah. founded in nineteen ninety three by a group of African American comic book artists and writers, including uh, Dwayne McDuffie and Dennis Cowan. And so, we had lines like uh, Icon and Hardware and uh, Static Shock. Yeah, uh, technically his name is just Static, but the cartoon oh. was called Static Shock. <laughs> <laughs> what was the team that they had? Blood Syndicate. Blood Syndicate. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, it was about it was a superhero world where there was more racially diverse and uh, offered more perspectives that were closer to what real life was like. Yeah, exactly. Just something that reflected the world around us a little bit more. Yeah. So the 
you know, the, the characters were more uh, ethnically diverse. The stories were pretty good too. Like I still have, I still hold static in particular in high regard. I think that's, to me, that's like the Spider-Man of the nineties, just a, a teenage superhero that kind of em- exemplifies everything that we enjoy about um, those types of adventures and stories where he's dealing with power and responsibility. And he's also equally dealing with the drama of, of growing up and being a hero. Yeah. They had a lot of great talent on those books too. I mean, Dwayne McDuffie and Dennis Cowan, those two guys do excellent work. And then artists like John Paul Leon, um, he was he drew a, a good amount of static comics. I really like that stuff. MD Bright did a bunch of stuff for them. So it, it's it's cool to hear that they're coming back and and Milestone, it they're they've been folded into the DC universe a couple of times since then. Yeah. Like even back in the nineties, there was a crossover where their characters met Superman and Superboy and and guys like that and, and had a, a crossover. Then there was a, I think back in the new 52 era, they actually melded some of the, was it like the new 52 or was it before? Yeah. Static joined the DC universe for a while. Like I think he was, he was even a member Titans. of the Teen Titans for a bit. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't really know how they, like, it just feels like every time they try DC tries to bring them back, they they do it in a way that's really half-hearted and yeah. it never really sticks, never really lasts. I'm not even gonna say half-hearted. They usually do it half-assed. <laughs> 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 Is it too much task that they use their whole ass? <laughs> <laughs> I wish they used half their heart. At least they had used some of their heart in trying to make it but yeah i forgot they don't have a heart they don't have a soul they don't have a conscience (laughs) so the thing with the announcement at fandom is that they were talking about how they're it sounds like they're hoping to exploit the milestone characters properties intellectual properties in various other mediums as well so that that's probably going to include film or television, and they also even uh, mentioned podcasts. So we'll we'll see what they pump out. I mean, I hope it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, personally, I'd be more excited just about comics. But uh, if you know, if, if bringing attention to the line through having a hit movie means that we get more comics, then you know, I guess I'm for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah, hoping that it ends up leading to more comics. But yeah, so far the comics that they have announced, I believe they said they were going to do a static comic that's going to be a digital, a digital yeah. first comic. And then that's they're going to even do a, I think it's a hardcover uh, graphic novel about static at some point after that. So you're telling me you're not excited for the idea of the new line of Milestone uh, socks? Static sock? 
<laughs> you know, I would totally buy those and wear those and static socks. Dude, dude, the old Static Shock cartoon from uh, what was it, like the early two thousands? That was a good cartoon, man. That was a good that. show. I, I like that, that show, man. Had a decent run, run from what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. The I think the artist on one of the Static stories is going to be Kyle Baker, and I think the writer is going to be Reginald Hudlin. Yeah, that's that was one of the things that I saw was uh it dampened your enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, Reginald Hudlin's gonna be doing quite a few because I noticed his name was attached to quite a few of the comics. Yeah, I think he's a partner of Milestone now. Yeah. With one I, of the uh, big guys. Not a huge fan of Reginald Hudlin. <laughs> yeah, the, the comics of his that I've read I haven't really enjoyed too much. Yeah. I think I might be more willing to give him a second chance because it's number one, it's been quite a few years since I've read a comic from him. And secondly, if, I guess if Kyle Baker is drawing it, I'm more likely to pick it up. Um, the one good thing the, of his that I did read and I actually kept was he did a comic book adaptation of Django Unchained. And that was actually pretty decent. Oh, okay. I yeah, forgot that, that Hudlin did that one. Yeah, it might have been my favorite thing of his. Everything else has been pretty lackluster. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of his Black Panther run. Yeah, and I think he did Fantastic Four too, right? Um, or no, that I th- might have been McDuffie. No, I think you're. Yeah, you're, Dwayne McDuffie did a run on Fantastic Four before he passed. Yeah, Reginald Hudlin. I think Hudlin did a run on the Sensational Spider-Man. That was back in the mid-2000s, I think, or early 2000s. What else did he do? Like, I know he did Black Panther, but was that it? Um, I I don't remember. Those are the ones that stand out, his Spider-Man and his Black Panther. I wasn't into his Spider-Man either. Yeah. Yeah. But... You never know. Sometimes people can surprise you. Yeah, he could have improved over time. Yeah, and and at a, at the very least, uh, Kyle Baker will be drawing some of his stories. So Kyle Baker is excellent. Yep. Yeah. So, any final thoughts on DC Fandom? Um. Well, it's kind of a bleak one but uh i was gonna say the fact that most so you know dc comics is it's a comics publisher but the fact that uh what we're seeing here in terms of their upcoming news is so heavily focused on media such as movies television and video games uh yeah, that honestly doesn't fill me with too much confidence. Uh, like, especially combining that with the fact that uh, we mentioned earlier that a third of their editorial staff were uh, recently just fired. It just seems like a lot of the restructuring and a lot of their priorities uh, is moving away from comics, which 
it's more cause for concern than it is excitement for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be a Debbie Downer, but <laughs> that's just how it be, man. I mean, we can't yeah. really pretend that things are better than they actually are. Yeah. It's uh it, it's it's kind of disheartening when you also look at the comments from Jim Lee from that interview he did right after the layoffs happened. It it what really does feel like that the priority of uh of the company is to just cut their losses. Like who, who really buys print comics nowadays? You know, it's like such a small, a small market that, that it's not necessarily too worth it for them when they can make more by licensing out their stuff to, to do, um, you know, other products, whether it's, lunch boxes or socks or, or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Obviously their movies and shows are going to be the things that generate uh, more money for, for AT&T. The other thing that I feel like I should mention is just kind of a canary in a coal mine sort of situation is I think earlier this year, or if not this year, it might've been last year. Like one of the properties that AT&T, what is this, AT&T Warner? Yeah. Yeah. One AT&T of the properties, is the parent company. Yeah. One, one of the Warner Media uh, is, I think, I guess we'd say Warner Media is the parent company of DC, but Warner Media was acquired by AT&T. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, has not been doing, it hasn't benefited us too much but uh but i was gonna say one of the properties that they acquired which was kind of an indicator was of of uh things to come was they they were uh they were publishing mad magazine uh like Mm -hmm. this was a magazine that had been going on for decades and like you you would have thought that this was I don't know if you would have thought that it was like protected or anything, but you know, it was a big part of a culture for a, a really long time. Yeah. And they finally axed it like last year, I think either last year or earlier this year. And um, yeah. So what, what happened was, was last year they stopped making it available uh, at the newsstand, you know, like how back in the day you could find it at, at your Safeways and, and the magazine racks at places that had magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then after um, what happened last year, I think they made it so that you could only you if you wanted to read it, you could you would have to subscribe to it or hope that your comic book store, your local comic shop, ordered it, or you tell your comic shop to order it. And now, I think earlier this year, I I think they actually stopped. They might have even stopped doing that. So I'm I'm not I'm not sure if they're yeah basically dead. Which is yeah. sad. Yeah, like I don't know about you guys, you know, the listeners, but Man Magazine was part of my childhood. Like, if only like as a kid finding it at the library and reading it, like it 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 was something that stuck with me. It was something that I had a lot of fun with, and knowing that it's not there anymore, it's uh, it's sad, man. Yeah, it's just uh one of those 
cultural touchstones of satire. Yeah. So don't presume that comics are safe. Don't presume that, uh, you know, Batman and Superman can withstand yeah. you know, the villainy of at Time Warner. <laughs> they might be able to beat Darkseid, but they can't stand up to at and <laughs> uh, you know. So, support your local comic shop. It's one of those situations where it's sad to say, but it feels like even if DC Comics um, doesn't die necessarily, they, I mean, they've obviously been changing. And even yeah. if, even if they, you know, I, I guess it would be safe to say that we'll probably, we'll probably still have Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and all those iconic characters in some f- form or fashion but they yeah. might not we might not be getting them in on printed comics you know yeah yeah it for, for all we know there could come a point where it'll just be digital yeah maybe i'm sure they'll keep their backlog in physical print you know they'll probably whatever evergreen stories that they think they have and trade paperback collections and and reprints you know maybe stuff like that will probably still be in print but there's a it feels like there's a chance where if things kind of swing the wrong way financially for the company they might just decide it's better to quit printing monthly serial comics oh yeah like you think that's possible um yeah like one of the things that they've been experimenting with lately is the ten dollar comic that they release at like uh what's it called at walmart yeah so i mean it keeps comics alive but yeah it's a thing where they could end up instead of doing a monthly comic that you pick up uh at a specific time you're just gonna see these collections that they put out yeah compilation of uh digital stuff yeah, like you said, it'll exist in some form or another, but I, I truth be told, I, I do think or I do worry that with every change, it feels like you get a little less, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like it, even if it's not a even if it's not a matter of like sheer quantity like uh, of the comics that you're getting the the fear, the fear for me is that they strip it down to the bone so much that what you are getting is you, that they strip it down to the bone so much that you will never see another golden age of comics because they're just going to hold on to that property so tightly and just give you the bare minimum, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's how these properties work. You know, if AT&T owns them, they're not going to let anybody else do anything with them. Like, they they are either going to make money off these properties or they will not allow anyone to make anything off them. They would rather <laughs> they make nothing and nobody else be able to make anything with it than to just let people take these creations and allow them to flourish 
it, do you think? It's... Go ahead. Oh, because there were some rumors, totally unverified rumors, that uh, DC Comics might uh, license their characters for to other comic book companies to publish the print comics. So, for example, DC might get out of the print game of serial monthly serial comics, and maybe IDW or huh. or somebody would continue printing the monthly adventures of Superman or Batman or Justice League or whatever. Um, they do kind of we do kind of see that from time to time with some, like I think Disney does that, don't they? Do they still do that? Because I that, do remember now that they own Marvel. Uh, no, because I feel like some of their Disney like properties, like Mickey Mouse and all that, like I feel like some of those are actually made by IDW. IDW. They, they, that's true. They did have a deal with IDW to to do kids comics, I think. Yeah, like so you would think that now that they've got Marvel, that they could just do everything in house and just go with Marvel. Uh, because they've got the resources for that, but um, it just yeah. goes to show how insular that the uh, comic book companies can be. You know, like they yeah. don't seem to understand that the a big part of the market now is kids, and if they yeah. started printing uh, graphic novels for kids, kind of like how Scholastic is doing, and just sell them to the book market, they could be making money hand yeah. over fist. Yeah. I was gonna say this, actually, though. actually, that reminds me. Marvel did sign a deal with Scholastic uh, yeah. recently. Yeah, I. So we, me and you, talk about this quite a bit. But um, when when the news of what happened at DC and the firings had happened, I, I feel like a lot of people were looking at Marvel next, just to see, like, because there have been a lot of changes at Marvel over the past couple of years yeah as well but i actually feel like and you know i could be wrong but i feel like marvel might be going in the other direction in the sense that i don't because marvel has been acquiring properties like crazy they just got aliens and predator and they made that deal with scholastic so i like i don't know if they're actually at, at least from what they're doing, it doesn't feel like they're shrinking their um, what they're doing. You know, they, like mm-hmm. even before that, they had gotten Conan back. Yeah, and, you know, they, Star they, Wars. Star Wars. So they're they're doing a lot to. I, I presume that they're buying these properties in comics form because they're gonna make comics out of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to screw Dark Horse over, man. They just want what? They want to screw over Dark Horse. I mean, they did do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I think there is a chance that there's a universe that if like DC ever, you know, packs up, are we're gonna live in a universe where Marvel is the only game in town? Like they could, well, you know, at least the the big one, right? Like. Uh, I'm sure Dark Horse will still exist in some form and they'll still keep putting out comics and you'll have like IDW and Boom and the other publishers. But, you know, in terms of the big two, 
Marvel will be like the last man standing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if something bad happened to DC, that would just hurt a lot of the direct market as well. Yeah. So it's actually in our best interest to hope that DC and Marvel stay healthy because a lot of a lot of the local comic book stores in our country kind of rely on their output. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's sad cuz we like despise the management at these companies so much. <laughs> but uh, we still just want them to survive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the real flashpoint paradox. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Man, uh yeah. But uh yeah. I just Yeah, back to your original question. If uh if DC ends up you know, outsourcing their publication to somebody else, that could be a that could be a good thing, you know? If like we'd still be getting comics from IDW yeah. But it'd be like Batman, IDW's Batman. Like, yeah, I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I'd probably, I'd probably be more likely to buy it if that were the case. At least yeah. the first thing you get to check it out. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, I feel like IDW cares more about comics, actual comics. Yeah. So. It's like. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just uh, feels like every time DC shares some news, you just get the sense that what they really care about is is uh, movies and film and exploiting their IP. You know, yeah, they they view their comics as as just content that they can strip mine for things that really make them money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's just kind of uh, the tone I get in that Jim Lee interview. He, it was a whole bunch of like, like empty marketing speak, where he's talk. He's talking about comics, but he's, he's calling it you know content <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, like the words that that people who don't read comics would use to describe comics. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah. Uh, like the thing that hurts about that is Jim Lee is a dude who comes from comics. He's he was an artist or he is I don't know, whatever. He draws, <laughs> he draws comics, right? So he, one could presume that, you know, he had a love for comics that drove him into the business and uh, he he loved comics so much he helped co-found Image Comics. Yeah. To help you know build creators' rights and stuff. Yeah, and of course he uh, sold his his part of the company to DC and became part of the man again. But you know everybody, yeah. you know he people do what they do. Yeah, and guess what? He to to see him sitting out there as a corporate man regurgitating like company speak. It's just it's. Uh, Kind of makes you wonder what 1991 Jim Lee would say to him if he could see him today, right? Yeah. You are a rock star, man. <laughs> what happened to you? Who are you? <laughs> what would Todd McFarlane think? Um... 
<laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> It'd be interesting to think of to to see if he was like, you're you're a sellout, and you could have stuck with us, and you'd be doing what you love without having to kiss anyone's butt or without having the fear of getting fired. You would have been your own boss. Yeah. You could be rolling in that sweet Walking Dead money. (laughs) (laughs) Jim Lee never made anything as good as Walking Dead, though. He did not. He did not. Although, somewhere out there, there are a million copies of X-Men number one. Not just a million. Eight million. Eight million, sorry. Eight million. <laughs> <laughs> the highest selling comic book in the history of the world. Yeah. <sighs> well, uh, unless we have anything else to say, I think that about wraps it up, wouldn't you say? I believe so. That was a uh, that was good talk. Uh, I had a lot of fun on this one, even though there was some uh, disheartening stuff, but. And and uh, a lot of things that we kind of ragged on, but you know, <laughs> that's part of the fun. That's part of the fun. <laughs> uh, it, it's it wasn't anything mean spirited, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Look. If it was really mean spirited, we yeah. would still be talking about the Snyder Cut right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. We could we could fill several podcasts on that one. <laughs> so so you are right. You are right. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Between the Gutters, signing off. Bye, guys. Shanka Donka.